Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. If you're here today prepared to give with paper, ink, check, cash, uh, you can drop that in this box over here. Uh, or if you want to give digitally, there's a QR code on uh, the papers that you received when you walked in this morning. Uh, you can do that. Scan the QR code. It'll take, it, take you to our platform. Happy Thanksgiving. This is, this is my favorite holiday of the year for a number of reasons, one of which uh, is the trees have all started to change, which means, one, we survived summer. That's, a, that's an achievement for here. Uh, and also, it means that the weather's cooler, the morning is nice. Uh, this is the coldest place I've ever lived, so this is like extreme for me. South Dakota, settle down. Um, I also like it because starting in Halloween, there's a progression of people showing up to your house expecting food. All right, so Halloween, they show up, they knock on your door, they hold their bags open, and you give them little food. Thanksgiving, it's a whole lot more food. Christmas, it's all the food plus all the gifts, and we everybody keeps Amazon and Walmart and Target in business combined. And Thanksgiving is like the perfect middle ground of that. It's not just candy. It's not everything that goes into Christmas. It is like perfectly just right in the middle. And the, there's also with Thanksgiving... Let's just be honest, as a guy, it's football. Okay, let's just praise God for that. It's not ruined with basketball games and Lakers somehow always losing on Christmas Day. It is football. I don't care about the Cowboys, so watching them get slaughtered or win really doesn't bother me. If it does bother you, your team sucks this year anyway. But <laughs> one weird thing about me and Turkey uh, is I don't like Turkey. Like, how do you love Thanksgiving and not like turkey? That's like a hydrophobic being on the swim team. It just doesn't really work out. But for me, up until Tuesday, I didn't really like turkey. So <clears throat> uh, why Tuesday? Uh, we're going to eat turkey in a little bit. We're going to have meals under that tent ready for you to take. And you can go home, take your mask off, and shove your face full of food uh, when you're at home, you're surrounded by your own germs and all that stuff. Uh, but that the turkey got here because people cooked them, uh, and I got to be part of that. I'm, I'm the head guy at my house. Anna doesn't want anything to do with anything inside the turkey. I take care of that part. She makes the outside absolutely amazing. Uh, and so we finished cooking one of the turkeys. We took it all off the bone. And then there's like that carcass that's always left. And I was taking it out to, to throw away and deal with in the trash. And I saw some of this good dark meat on the back. And I'd never seen this before. And I'd never seen this as somebody who absolutely cannot stand turkey. It's dry. It's gross. There's too much of it. And then I saw the back meat. And I think that's because I like ribs and like the closest that you can get to ribs on a turkey is like that soft, dark stuff on the back. So right before I threw it away, I'm like, this looks pretty good. And I took a big handful of it and just shoved it in my mouth. And dang, that is good. I tell you, I saw the turkey light this week and it is good. And maybe in what you get, it might be the little bit off the back. Uh, but today I want to talk about this. A moment in our lives where something changes in us. For the last few weeks, we've been going through looking at Jesus's last series of conversations uh, with the 12 people that were closest to him. And where we're at today, he actually leaves them. Uh, they go to a garden. He goes a few steps ahead of them to pray for the rest of the night. They fall asleep. And so for the rest of what we're going to look at today and what Pastor Aaron is going to preach on next week uh, is going to be Jesus's prayer for his men. This is the darkest. This is like almost the darkest that it's going to get for him and his guys. And in that, he's calling us to a few things. He's calling us to change our minds about our authority, change our minds about our direction, and to change our minds about our mission. 
And for me, this has been a week of changing my mind. I was anti-Turkey. Now I'm pro-Turkey, at least the back of the Turkey. And I'm praying that, uh, that this is going to be a change moment uh, for you too, in a way that God has for you today. And the first thing we're going to see in this as Jesus uh, is, is at the end of his time with his guys is that Jesus has fulfilled his mission. He's not here. It's not crunch time. They're not huddled around the whiteboard trying to scheme out how is Jesus actually going to defeat sin, hell, the devil in all of our lives. Jesus has already accomplished everything. He fulfills his mission. He's done. And so John 17, one, it says this, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, father, the hour is come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you for you've given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you have given him. And this next verse is going to be on the screen. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know him, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Like that's big, that, that idea of sent, that means a lot. It's in all caps there because it's a big deal. It's sent, it, it communicates direction and it communicates purpose. The purpose of Jesus being sent to earth was that God saw each and every one of us knowing everything about every ounce and inch and and centimeter of our lives. God knows it all. And there's nothing over which he doesn't see and look in your life and mine and not say that belongs to me. God says, this is all of this is mine. But within God's knowledge and within God's love for all of us, he's, he's also accurate. He's also understanding of the fact that you and I don't always love God. Like, let's just be honest here. If you're here thinking I've got to go to church and I've got to be perfect, welcome, okay? Because we are the least perfect place you will go today. Because all of us who come here and say we follow Jesus are admitting to the fact that our sin is what made Jesus come to earth. Because you and I cannot get it right all of the time, 100% meant that God would send Jesus to earth. That there's sin in our lives, which makes us run away from God. And so God runs after us by sending Jesus. So when Jesus says that he's sent right over there, that's purpose, that's mission for him. And it's also a plan. Jesus is sent on plan. He's sent because there's sin that needs to be covered. So what Jesus did that was so foundational, that was so world changing, that gives us reason to continue to talk about the same thing week after week after week that Jesus came into the world to save sinners is that he traded his perfect life for our completely imperfect lives. He took our sin and upon us, he assigned his perfect life. So when God looks at you and me, God no longer sees our rap sheet. God no longer sees our browser history. God no longer sees all the things in our life that we want to hide. God sees Jesus's perfection. And he did all this so that we could know God. The mission, the purpose of Jesus being sent is that so that we could know God. There's this uh, media team's going to put a picture on the screen. Awesome. All right. If you can see the screen, who is that guy? Derek Carr. That's right. What team does he play for? The Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Who are they playing today? Anybody remember? Kansas City, that's right. Where did he go to college? That's right. What's his brother's name? That's right. Where did he go to high school? I heard, David, I heard Bakersfield Christian somewhere in there. Uh, what's his jersey number? It was the little girls over there. What's his jersey? Four. We know all these things about Derek Carr. If you show up at his house, is he going to call you by name or is he going to call security? 
But we know all these things about him. We know where he went to high school, or at least I did. Uh, we, we know where he went to college. We know his brother. We know what position he plays. We know what team he's on. We know who's going to beat that team this week. All those things we know. But we show up to Derek Carr's house, and he's not saying, hey, Tony, come on in, man. Have a, have a club soda with me. It's going to be a great afternoon. He says, security, we have an issue. <laughs> right? Actually, it's Derek Carr, so he claps first, and then he calls security. The purpose of Jesus being sent to earth is so that not we just couldn't know, know about God like we know about Derek Carr, but that we could know God and God knows us to know him and be known by him. And the awesome part about that, that I want you to understand if you're far from Jesus is this is so much more than, than just a, a, a rules, a list that we live by. It's a relationship that absolutely changes us. Mike is going to come up right now. Mike's getting baptized in a little bit. Come on up, bud. And if you're here and you're outside of junior high and you're a follower of Jesus, we would love for you to get baptized. We're going to start doing baptisms here on the second Sunday of the month. Uh, and every month we've got somebody ready to get baptized. You can go right here. I'll bring you the mic. Uh, we'd love for you that to happen. So you can talk to Pastor Aaron at the table after this. And we're going to hear from Mike right now. Hi, good morning, everybody. Before I met Jesus, I was unhappy, vindictive, ornery, and wicked person who sought revenge. I grew up around witchcraft, drugs, and sexual sin. I grew up seeing traumatic things that no child should have to witness. I forgive those who placed me in that environment, but I carry the scars of childhood with me today. I've lived a lot of my life being the person who appears to be innocent, but that just gave me cover so that I'd be able to do the wicked things that I was into, you name it. At a certain point, then I started seeing things happening, demonic effects of the witchcraft I was doing, and it scared me. It made me question the devil and God. I have always been taught that God is greater than the devil, and so if I've seen the works of the devil, it made me question what God was all about. I realized it was time to pick a team, either death or life. I have a friend named Linda Esquivel, a good friend who I've known for a long time. She is a Christian, and I have watched how she lives her life. So I reached out to her because I was looking for a church. I wanted to know where... Is she going that helps her to live the godly life she's living? And what she stood out to me, that she was genuine Christian, a judgmental and not hypocritical. She had what I wanted and was drawn to that. So she gave me the address to the church, which so happened to be Mountain View, Sunnyside, a church where the Bible is accessible and the pastor wears shorts. <laughs> and so when I came, Linda was very excited. I felt very welcomed, especially by Joey. At a certain point in the service, when prayer ushers are on the side, I realized that Linda was one of the ushers and that I needed prayer. I went forward and she led me through the sinner's prayer. On that day, I surrendered my life to Jesus, my Savior, who died on the cross for my sins. I was freed from myself. I received God's forgiveness. 
I released my past to him and his spirit came into my life. Immediately afterwards, I felt like I was being spiritually attacked, that I need to be prepared. Part of becoming a Christian doesn't mean your life is just going to get easier. And in fact, it may get harder because now I have a target on my back since I am the son of God that the devil hates. He hates me and I don't care. I don't like him either. I serve God. All right. Today, I feel more calm. I need less head medication. I am learning to love my neighbors as myself. I am learning to listen more, have patience towards others, and I'm trying to be a better person who no longer seeks revenge. I attribute this growth to God who saves it, who lives in me. This verse explains what has happened to me. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer who I am, who I no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in the earth, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Galatians 2.20. That's my testimony. That's awesome. And you know, that, that represents so many things for us. Uh, one thing it represents is why we're, we want to continue to meet as long as possible. It's because people need Jesus. It's because people in Mike's situation uh, need to know that there's a God who loves them and a Jesus who died for them and a Holy Spirit who wants to live in them and change them from the inside of them to the outside of them. That's why we're going to continue to meet. And as our building is completed, we're going to figure out what is this going to look like for us to meet in a way that's going to honor God, that's going to honor people, that's going to honor doing things in a way that's not going to put other people in danger. Uh, and so we're, we'll roll that out as it happens. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to meet. Why? Because what Mike talked about, abuse is up, substance abuse is up. Suicide is up. Domestic violence is up. And so people need to hear that there's a Jesus that loves them and a God that wants to come into the darkness in their life and continue to reveal himself and continue to make things right. So Jesus fulfills his mission. Jesus also prepares us for our mission. And he does that by praying for us. Like that phrase, I'll pray for you is only really as reliable as the person who says it. But when it's Jesus, it's totally different. So verse nine, he says this, he says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given to me because they belong to you. And so Jesus has three ways of how he's praying for us. And he's praying for us this week as we go into everything that's ahead of us. And the first thing that he wants us uh, is in verse 10. He says, all who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Glory, that, that, that's a big word for us to bring God glory means that we are reflective of who God is. Means that, that our lives are a mirror that's held up. And so God, we are reflecting who God is to other people. We're reflecting Jesus and Jesus's character and the way that Jesus treats people and treated people as he was on earth. Whereas we bring God glory, we're reflecting who Jesus is, which means that everywhere that we go this week into difficult gatherings and into easy gatherings, Jesus is praying for you to give God glory. 
I think that's a huge weighty thing that and based on everything that we can't get right in our lives so often, God still looks at you and me and says, these people are going to bring me glory. And I was thinking about this yesterday. How do we look at this and the next two things that we're going to talk about and make it not just some huge, impossible, we can't carry this to-do list. Because if all we're going to leave here today with is three things that we should do, but we're going to blow it by the time we get home, that's not very encouraging. So where's the light in this? Where's the hope in this? We talked about it a little bit ago and that God saw us in our sin. And so he sent Jesus into the world to pay for our sin. And so he takes on our sin and assigns us his righteousness. We can't get away from it. We are already the forgiven, made new, set apart sons and daughters of God. That's who we are. And the part of that, that, that keeps reminding us of who we are in that is the Holy Spirit. And as we go through life and as we mess up and as we don't get things right, God already has a plan for that. God has grace for that, which is us, our undeserved favor that we receive as Christians. So all the times that you're going to blow it this week, if you're a follower of Jesus, God looks at that and says, okay, I have a plan for that. Well, God, you don't understand my temper. I have a plan for that. I'm going to graciously give you a new temper. Well, God, you don't understand the way that I talk to people. It's just not right. You don't understand the way that I do business. You don't understand my past. You don't understand my fears. God says, okay, I, I got a plan for that. It's grace. I'm going to give you better than you deserve. Yeah, but God, I shouldn't be here today because you don't understand the stuff that happened between me and her last week. Like God, it's just, God says, okay, I've, I've got forgiveness for that. You're never going to out sin my grace and us living under God's grace, us coming to Jesus, regardless of what happened last week is part of how we give glory to God because our lives are a testimony of the fact that God forgives. This is not a place for perfect people. This is a place for people who realize that on our own, we will never bring God glory because we are not that good, nor will we ever be. And God says, I'm that good. I'm that good. So you let me fill your life with my spirit to wash away all of your spirit. Even those parts of us where we hold on too tightly and we're like, I don't want to change this. God says, okay, I'll wait. I will wait better than you deserve. I will wait longer than you deserve because I am still gracious. And that waiting in itself is better than we deserve. So he's saying, you're going to reflect me. And then he goes on to another one in 11. He says, now I'm departing from the world. They, that's us, are staying in the world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so they will be united just as we are. Jesus is talking here. He's talking about protecting us, but it's protection for the sake of unity. He's saying, I want, Jesus is asking God, protect their attitude, protect their reputation, protect their motives, protect the way that they talk to people. Some of you are looking at the fact that there's restrictions about how many people can get together this week. And that means that people on your family list are already getting like cut. They're just not making the cut. And you're like, yay, restrictions. This is gonna be the best week ever. Stay at home, Netflix, ice cream. Woohoo! Jesus isn't praying for that. Jesus is saying in the midst of all of this, it's God's grace. I'm gonna give you better than you deserve. That means Jesus moves into our lives and gives us the ability to get along with people better than we deserve, to pursue unity with people that probably didn't vote like us in, in a couple of weeks ago that we're going to see right now this week, to give them better than we deserve, to talk to people better than they deserve, to love people better than they deserve. All these things, God is saying, I'm praying for unity for my people. 
And that's a mark for us for every day of the year. It's not just a Thanksgiving, not just a family reunion things, but as men and women who have met Jesus because of who he is in our lives, we can be the most forgiving people on the planet because we've known the forgiveness of God. Because we bring, as God has forgiven us, we get to bring that into every relationship that we go in. And so this week on Thanksgiving, we're having turkey, we're not having beef. Because as Christians, we can live without any beef with everybody. We live at peace with all people because God has made us friends of, God has made us his friends. He's forgiven us of our sin and led us into a relationship with him. So we can model that to everyone we see. Verse 12, he says, during my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no, not one was lost except for the one headed to destruction as the scriptures foretold. And now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with, and here's the kicker, joy. I've told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with joy. Joy is the third thing that Jesus is praying for. And joy is not happiness because we all know in 2020, happiness didn't make it out of March. All right. That died the day that everybody had to stay home for forever. You know, 15 days to flatten the curve. And we're like eight months into that. It's going great. Joy is the hope that there's something good on the other side. Joy is the hope that in what Pastor Scott talked about last week, right about here. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's Jesus guaranteeing to us that 2020 was going to happen. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Overcome. That's not a narrow defeat. That's not a nail biter at the buzzer. Maybe the shot went in. That is God's overwhelming victory. So we can look at any type of darkness ahead of us and be reminded of the fact that Jesus already overcame the world. If you're new to Jesus following and you're wondering, how does this work? My life doesn't seem to match up with God's goodness and God's power. What Christians have done for 2000 years is they've had the ability to walk through insanely dark situations with the joy of the Lord behind them and in front of them and inside of them. And so they take on insurmountable loss because God is in charge and we can lose on earth because we're going to win for all eternity. And that's what Jesus prays for you today. He prays joy for you. That means that we can face anything. And you're thinking, no, I can't. You don't understand. I can't. It's too hard. I can't. Let me remind you of one thing. You're at the 830 service. Okay. After the service ends, we're going to turn off the heaters and take them inside because we won't need them for the 10. Right? You guys are tough. You survive when nobody else wants to. I don't like preaching when I can see my breath. And you guys have to sit there still and like freeze. We were in a meeting this week uh, of everybody figuring out what are we going to do with the new restrictions and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I just sat back and thought, man, I'm really glad that I'm at Mountain View Sunnyside because our people are tough. We're already outside. We have to change nothing and we'll have more people this week than we did last week. Because why? Because Sunnyside is tough. And so Jesus wants to remind us of that. That what he's praying for us isn't an easy life. He's praying for joy. That we surrender ourselves to him and say, okay, God, whatever the darkness is, I'm walking through it. I'm already here. God, get me through the darkness. And what's going to get us through is joy. And so how do we respond? We respond by living the mission. Verse 15, Jesus says this. 
He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Now, right there, Jesus isn't praying for an easy life for you. He's not praying for an easy life for me. He's praying for an effective life for us. That once we become followers of Jesus, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and me. That's God going to live inside of you. Yeah, but what about God doesn't care about your what about? He loves you and he wants to pull you out of that and show you that he doesn't care about it. He wants to work through it. He wants to work in spite of it. He wants to work because of it and use you to be effective. That, that thing he said in verse 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, for that 12 who were with him, but also for all who will believe in me through their message. That's you. And after you, there's other people. And so what Jesus is saying is, is in this world, I'm sending my people out to live the mission, to live like he lived to put our eyes on God and let that pull us through every situation, to be the nicest, most loving people in every situation where we are because that's how Jesus treated us. And to be filled with God's joy, God's protection for unity and God's glory as we go through every single day of our lives. That was Jesus's message 2000 years ago and it continues to be his message for us today. Jesus prays for you because Jesus cares for you. Jesus died for you because Jesus loves you. Jesus lives inside of you because Jesus knows you and he can, and he knows that you and I cannot do it on our own. And so he says, once again, I'm stepping in to do for them what they can't do for themselves. And he doesn't say that because he's tired. He says that because he loves us and he wants to work in us. Jesus prays for us because he sees us. He sees us today. He sees us in 2020. He sees us in a world that's difficult. That's flat out difficult. And he says, all right, those are my sons. Those are my daughters. I'm going to get to work in their lives. Let's stand and let's pray.